Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at the Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 9 and the 12th verse. And God said, that ought to grab your attention right there. And God said, and God said, this is a sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow, somebody say rainbow. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow, somebody say rainbow, rainbow. shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters will never again come, become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow, there you go, shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Have you ever seen a rainbow? When you see a rainbow, what do you normally do? Take a picture of it, keep looking at it, look at it again, maybe pull over. Or if somebody's with you, what do you do? Look, there's a rainbow. I want to give you a reminder of what God just said. He said he looks at it too. And maybe it's something to draw our attention to remember, to reflect, to consider, to give our attention to. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant, which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So the rainbow has been set as a symbol for you and I to remember God's covenant with man with flesh, that the rain will never again become a flood that would devastate or destroy all flesh. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus went out and departed from the temple. His disciples came to show him some buildings of the temple, and Jesus said to them, he said, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, God spoke to Noah. Jesus speaks to you. God still speaks to man. Jesus still speaks to people. Amen? And Jesus said, do you not see all these things? Let me ask you a question for just a moment. Do you not see all the things that are crumbling in this day? Do you not see all the devastation in this day? Do you not see a nation wasting away? A gathering of faith being, being taunted and troubled and persecuted? Jesus said, do you not see this? Are you not aware of the troubles we're living in? Are you not aware of the, of the concerning times that we're in? Jesus said they would be like this, but he wants to know, are you not aware of it? I'm not talking about little personal things that we're going through. We all have issues that we have to deal with in life. I'm talking about big issues of the changing of times and laws, changing of culture. I'm talking about the days we're living in when people will literally call what is evil good and they'll call what's good as if it's evil. He said, do you not see these things? Perhaps he's asking us that question today. He said, assuredly, I say to you that not one stone left here upon another that should not be thrown down. In other words, he's saying everything that I said that would be destroyed or troubled will be destroyed and troubled. He said, it's going to come to pass. You can't stop some of these things from happening. You need to learn how to live in them, not how to stop them. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, I don't know, but that just seems gentle to me. It seems calming to me that Jesus didn't stand up and bow up about these things. He sat down and he made himself approachable. He made himself accessible. He perhaps put himself in a situation. And I've noticed throughout the scripture that whenever Jesus sat down or had the people sit down, he was getting ready to teach them something so that they would have that information, not so they'd have that experience. I think we have way too much preaching, not enough teaching. 
I need to be, be more equipped, more prepared, not more inspired. Not more always empowered. Not to have an encounter, but maybe to have an experience. So he sat down and the disciples, it says, they, they came to him privately. I want to ask you a question. Do you have a relationship with Jesus beyond the corporate setting? Do you have private meetings with Jesus? Do you attend to Jesus and do you approach him? And perhaps I preach something, Pastor Whalen preaches something, Pastor Cody or somebody, Pastor DJ prays something over you. Whoever it could be, something's going on in your life. You hear something on the news. Have you talked to Jesus about it? Have you gone to seek out his counsel? To get his answer? Do you have an answer yourself that you receive from Jesus? Is Jesus your centerpiece of your life? Is your Jesus, when you're private and you're alone, do you have a Jesus relationship? I'm not hearing a whole lot of amens. I trust that you do. I hope that you do. I exhort you that you should do and that you should have that relationship. If you're in a situation and you're saying, I don't know how to do that, come, let someone know. We'll help you establish that and help you to be accountable to that. But the disciples came to Jesus privately. Have you ever noticed the disciples seem to be a little bit different than the rest of the believers that we know? There just seems to be something about them. It's these little things that made them different. When they were followers, uh, one, they were servants, but, but they had a private relationship with Jesus. So they came to him privately and they said, tell us, when will these things be? Have you ever noticed we're always wanting to know when? And what will be the sign of your coming? And could you give us a little indicator before it happens? It'd be nice to know so we could be prepared. Well, friends, that's what we have is 66 books written over some 2,000, 4,000, 5,000 years ago that are signs and tellers of all that's going to come and all that is happening. And if I took the time, I could go exactly where Jesus said uh, verbatim that Jesus literally said, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, and this is what it's going to be like. And, it is, and it's not going to get better. Those kind of things are going to get worse. They said, could you uh, tell us when these things will be and give us a sign of the coming of the end of the age? So they believed back then that there was coming to a time that, that the earth was going to be dissolved, that the earth was, was no longer going to be, that it was not going to be the age of man that it was going to come to them. They had that understanding. You and I need to have that understanding today. This earth isn't going to last forever. It's not destined forever. It's not eternal, but heaven is. Heaven is eternal. We need to have an eternal concept and perspective of life. Listen to him as a Christian. You must have an eternal perspective, not just a Pentecostal perspective, not just a Catholic perspective. You need to have an eternal perspective. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are all laid up. What are your treasures? All those things you haven't gotten now that you want to have, but you're willing to live without knowing that he'll give them to you somehow, some way in eternity. He will reward you. And Jesus answered. Pastor Cody said something up there. Maybe it was the youth language. I'm not sure. I wasn't sure if he's a baker or the milkman or the doctor or the nurse, but you're looking good and white to say today. I'd do it if I could. But he said, you're the God who answers the call. You pick up the phone. Notice here, Jesus starts to give an answer. He's just sitting there. He's just taking a seat. He's just chilling out. Maybe he's thinking about how we could feed 5,000 people. I don't know what he's thinking about. He thought a lot bigger than we think sometimes. Because God does according to what you think and even more so. But they asked him a question. And guess what? He picked up the phone. He answered and this is the answer that he gives. And I'm not going to go into the full answer, but this is what we need to know today. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Take heed that no one deceives you. And listen, if we don't uh, apply to that and comply to that, everything else he said won't help us at all. Because everything else, there's a deception that goes with it. There's a ploy of the enemy. There's a craftiness of the enemy. If you ever been that person, I have. Matter of fact, it almost happened to me not too long ago, and I thought, no, I'm too prideful to even try. 
You reach for a piece of fruit and you find out it's plastic. Man, just buy real fruit. And you grab it, and, and, and even you're holding it like it doesn't feel real. And you, you do the sniff test, you do the, the, the scratch test, you do everything, you're like, mm, it's plastic, right? Not fun. Well, the enemy's going to offer you a lot of things that looks like it, but it's not it. Anything that doesn't have life in it is not Jesus. Deception is a misconception through false reception of a wrong or inaccurate idea or conception, a lie perceived as a truth. Many people believe in lies only because they have yet to hear the truth. They have yet to see the truth, so they believe in lies. Some people believe that all churches are bad churches. Why? Because they've never seen a good church. You've heard this before, I'm sure, but bank tellers years ago, before, before they had the right kind of paper and the right kind of ink to do these little checks. Have you ever given somebody a $20 bill and, and they hold it up and you're like, you feel really, really trusted, don't you? Respected. You're like, I mean, look, someone just gave it to me. I didn't do that, you know, but now you can get in trouble for somebody who gave you one, right? But they used to train bank tellers how to find a counterfeit by making them study the real one. They didn't look at counterfeits. Oh, that's how they did it. That's how they did it. That's how. You need to quit looking at how the devil did things and look at what has been true for all these years. And so they would look at real bills and look at look at. So when they saw the counterfeit, they knew it because it wasn't true. You need to spend so much time. I've been studying lately. I've been studying Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And, and what does it really mean to be separated unto the gospel? separated, a spirit of holiness, obedience. What might he be getting ready to ask of me? What he might be getting ready to ask of you? Now, I know our human nature. Just by me saying, what might he be getting ready to ask of me? Some people might go, I think he might be leaving the church. You see, your comfort and your security is in people and places instead of the person who already has a place who's making a place for you. I'm not going anywhere. I have nowhere to go. No one's even called me. But the reality is, we need to have a grounded faith in Christ. Amen? But I've been asking, what, what does it mean to be separated to the gospel? And last week, we talked a little bit about, I think every decision in our life ought to be based upon, does this separate me because I'm sanctified by him and by his word and by his truth? Does it sanctify me, separate me to God, or would this decision separate me from God? There's a lot of things we wouldn't be doing and there's a lot of stuff we wouldn't be going through if we didn't do the things that are taking us from God. But we ought to be doing the things that bring us to God. We were separated from the world and we become one with Christ. That's called Christianity. You're no longer who you used to be. Old things are past. Behold, all things become new. How do I stay connected with God? Many people believe in lies just because they've never seen the truth. Let me state something to you. Satan, the devil, is the father of all lies. How do I know that? Jesus said he was. It's exactly what he said. He said, you're of your father, the father of all lies, the devil. When you lie, you're not just telling a little white truth. You're not telling a half truth. You're telling a lie. The devil will tell you half truth. But the reality is, it's all a lie because he'll tell you a lie in the midst of what seems to be the truth. So Satan, the devil, is the father of all lies. Jesus, the son of God, is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the light of the world. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Jesus is a good shepherd. Satan is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Satan comes to steal. Jesus came to give. The devil comes to kill. Jesus comes so we can live. Satan comes to destroy. Jesus has come to restore. What I want to speak on this morning is redeeming the bow. Redeeming the rainbow and what it really represents and whose it really is. We're living in the midst of a warfare, in the midst of a battle. Matter of fact, I don't know if you've had this experience. I've had, I've had conversations with other people. They seem to have the same perspective as I do. But I love the fall colors of the fall. 
I love it when those green trees turn whatever color that is. And I don't have a name for the color because anybody I've ever seen try to paint it can't paint it. Do you know what I'm talking about? You just can't capture some of the colors that are out there with human artistic abilities. And I know some people are bowing up. Some people are, are resisting that, saying, well, you ought to see my painting. You know, here's the indicator. Being that I haven't seen your painting, <laughs> it's probably not as good as you think it is. <laughs> Just teasing. But there's some art that people have seen. That they know it. They know it by name. Nobody can capture those colors because they're his. They're his. I've seen people paint rainbows, and you cannot capture the same colors. You just can't. Man-made things will never be comparative to God-made things. But God can make all things new. Look at these two rainbows. Aren't they beautiful? Glorious? Just display there. Wouldn't you stop and tell somebody, look at that. It's amazing. Now, show me the other two, Chris, if you don't mind. Here they come. They're on their way. Now, I want to go to the one with the bracelet and the flag, please. I gave them all this this morning. That just doesn't look like the other rainbow, does it? It's artificial. It's fake. It's man-made. has a lot of colors in it. The thing I'm most concerned about is this right here, pride. The scripture teaches that pride comes before destruction and a Holy Spirit before fall. Now, now, hold with me just a second. That scripture is not meant to be used to be malicious. That, oh, I can't wait till they fall. Oh, I can't wait till they're destroyed. If that's the case, you're probably not a Christian. People are already leaving because of this but they're not willing to listen to the end of it. This is true. It's every day. It's in your face. You're told you have to believe it. You have to accept it. You have to honor it. You cannot speak against it, but you can't tell people about your Jesus. See, they're taking Jesus away and making you take something on that is not true. If something were not true, I would want to know. I would want to know that if it didn't have life, because fake things don't have life. False things don't have life. We're living in the midst of it. So here's my point. If we're true Christians and we're going to be truly Christians, we need to be concerned and grieved that if we don't get the gospel of life, the word of truth, the love of Christ in them, they're going to be destroyed. They're going to be given over to their, their passions and vials of lust. They're going to be given over to debased minds. Now, we need to love souls, not judge souls. Now, to love somebody doesn't say, I just embrace it. The blind will never lead the blind out of their ditch. We need to love. For God so loved, I already told you, it doesn't matter what you walked in here with, he loves you just the way you are today. But much too much to let you stay that way if it's not the truth, if it doesn't lead you in the way. I've asked the Lord, I beg him, I ask you to join me, that he would send us the broken. He would send us to deceive. But not only that we would sit around here and wait for them, that we would get up and go and do it. I'm so grateful to say that Friday, I was with Chris and Gabe Broughton and a few other people, and, and we did an outreach in, in the open air under the pavilion in Seymour, Indiana. Preached the gospel, ministered to people. They went out the next day on the streets to, to preach the gospel. We have people over in Florence right now. We have people in different places that are reaching people with the gospel. We have to go to them also and not judge them, but bring truth to them. There's one more picture of the flag there and the folded hands. And I thought, that's the best picture I've ever seen of the rainbow flag. That's what we need to be doing is praying. Praying that they get revelation of the rainbow itself. 
which is God's standard, God's covenant. Now, here's the thing. What's happening is they've taken something that God has given that is his for us, something that he looks upon and made something for themselves, and it's a mockery to God. Absolute mockery to God. The scripture teaches us that God shall not and will not be mocked. He won't be ridiculed in such a way. For whatsoever man sows, that also he shall reap. So I go back to this, especially for you as a believer, that if you're judging somebody, the word of God already says, don't judge lest you be judged. But if you're loving somebody, keep on loving them because you'll be loved. What you sow, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. But if you sow to the spirit, you'll reap things of the spirit. It's not used to be a malicious manner. We shouldn't want to see their demise. If someone continues in their lewdness or their evil passions, as I said, they will be turned over at a certain point. Let me read a passage of scripture that I closed last week with. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Who in exchange, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, made an exchange of the truth of God for a lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. You say, well, God just gave no. You need to understand. You have a free will, and God's not going to impose upon that. You are able to make choices in your life. That's why Joshua said, as for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. As me and my household. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to make the right choices. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, men also, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. That's just the truth. Now listen, that is, there's such a truth also that even if you use your natural cravings and desires and your natural lusts uh, and you became unfaithful and you became adulterous, and you became a fornicator, and you became a... It doesn't matter just men and men and women and women. I'm just telling you what they made the flag for, their choice of sexuality. But if you do what's wrong in the natural sense of who you are, that sin will have the same aspect of punishment. And you become debased and given over there. So it's not we're going to pick and choose what's right and what's wrong. It's what's right with God and what's wrong with God. And what God says about it is what is truth. And you have got to get truth established in your life. You must embrace and hold on to the sovereignty of God, not just the movement of God. I'm so tired of movements that do not hold on to the foundational truth of who we is. It's not about how we feel. It's about the faith and the fact of who he is and that we live according to the word of God and that we do not make, we do not make excuses for it. Amen. So he said, they'll be given over. They'll be turned over these things. It's choices they've made. God gave them over to a debased mind. To do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, and disobedient to parents undiscerning and untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And not only just those who do it, but those who approve of it. I know many people who don't do it. I know many people who live according to their natural affections. They live according to the, the code of man with woman and woman with man and even adhere to one man for one woman and one woman for one man. But they approve. And sometimes in the name of Christ, they approve of this. What he's saying is says, you're going to get the same punishment as they get. 
Ananias and Sapphira. They lied to the Holy Ghost. But he said, you guys are privy of it. You knew what happened. And because you knew it and you hid it, but you approved of the sin, their life was over. What does it mean to be privy? It means you have private knowledge of it. You may not listen. Here, here's a test code for you. I'm here because I love you, friends. I'm here because I love you. You may have this conversation with somebody at work and you agree with them, but somebody you go to church with, you don't tell them. So at work, you're one color and at church, you're another. You're not the same. Well, I see. I just, I, no, no, the Bible just told you. You can't just participate in it, even if you're privy of it and in agreement with it. This is God. This is not Greg DeVries. This is God. You ought to live in my shoes for a week or two. It's not easy. My feet are sweating right now. It's not easy to carry a word like this because people judge so much of their life on the human level and they have no fear of God whatsoever. You want the word of God for your blessings, but you don't want it for your convictions. This is the love of God. They asked Jesus, please tell us. Please tell us what are the signs? He said, okay, I'll tell you what the signs are. People will give up their natural affections and they will be lovers of themselves and they'll be boasters, they'll be creators of evil things, they'll be wicked. They'll, they'll give themselves. Friends, listen, I'm not even have time to go into AI, artificial intelligence. You're not a robot. Listen, you know as well as I know, and you don't want to hear these messages. There's going to be a chip in the hand and a chip in the forehead. It's already on your debit card. But the Bible says that'll be a mark of the beast on your life. You'll be given over to your cravings because you can't do life unless you can consume what you want to consume. You should be consumed with the fire of God and not be a consumer of the things of this world. I know that's not fun to hear. It's not fun for me to hear those things. But if we don't preach the truth, we'll never be set free. We're living in a battle. We're living in a warfare. You heard worship this morning. It's all about this battle, all about this weapon. We need to put our praise on. Amen? Listen, for those of you that have shopping alcohol, shopping holic problems, maybe when you go into the, to the, uh, uh, the, to the store and, and you're like, I know I shouldn't buy this, put your garment of praise on right there. Just start praising him in the store. Just start praising him and worshiping him. And people are like, can, can we excuse you, please? And you'd be like, that's my freedom. They kicked me out of the store. So I didn't buy anything, right? They might even let you go with the things you already have in your hand just to get you out of there. Who exchanged the truth for a lie. That concerns me. God will not be mocked. Could you go with me to the book of Jude? It's the last little epistle, has no chapter other than itself. There's no chapter two or three, it's a little letter. But it's right before the book of Revelation. Jude, starting in verse one, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. And then he addressed not just who it's coming from, but he's addressing who this message is to. To those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. How many of y'all are not who you used to be? Come on, somebody. You see, he called you, he sanctified you, and he's preserved you. How many of y'all, being that you're not who you used to be, he's preserved you to be who he's called you to be? So this letter is to you. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Mercy, peace peace and love. Man, how much did we sing about his mercy new every morning? Mercy. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. He said, I thought it was really important that, that we not just talk about, oh, you're a believer, I'm a believer, oh, I'm going to heaven, you're going to heaven. He said, I, I also need to remind you, we need to contend. Yeah. 
We need to be contenders for the faith. We need to stand up for what is true. We need to somehow give back what is his that has been taken from him. The rainbow belongs to God. It's his covenant. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. A lot of things creep in unnoticed through technology, television, computer advertisements, little fast little, you only see 30 seconds of the video and you don't know what the whole three hours was about. And next thing you know, you think it's cool and you like this. Well, they seem like a really good person. And we get bought into that. People creep in unnoticed. Gretchen and I have a, have a, a mindset in, in our raising of children as if we have to be very mindful and very aware of what's going on because every person in every situation is a, is, a, is a blank page of paper that can write another chapter in their life. We have to be careful who or what gets into that chapter until they can discern for themselves, until they can comprehend for themselves, until they, before they can see that fake counterfeit dollar, they need to see the truth as much as possible. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord and our Lord, Jesus Christ. So in other words, said people have literally come in and tried to craft this thing. Matter of fact, he said they didn't try it. They did. They, they started to deceive people. They started to mislead people. They started to, to creep in there and turn people's minds around that you can sin as much as you want and grace will keep forgiving you so you can keep sinning. Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How are we who are dead to sin to live any longer therein? Be careful what you entertain yourself with. Be careful what you employ yourself to. Be careful how you educate yourself because it could get inside of there unnoticeably and distract you and mislead you. We need to contend for the faith. You know, this month, I'm not saying anything new. You see it everywhere, billboards. This month is recognized as Pride Month. And they use the rainbow as their standard. Flags and standards derive from the need to identify which side of the battle one was with during the military conflict. I went over and asked Pastor Josiah, I said, do, do we get the American flag and the Christian flag out here? But we have the rainbow right in the middle of it. I love America. I love Jesus more and my Christianity, but I love God most of all. We need to set a standard in our life. We need to raise what we believe and stand there and identify with it. Can you identify yourself with Christ? Christ loves sinners, but he hates sin. Christ loves the truth and live by it. He hates lies. And many carry the coat of arms of the person under whose name they were fighting. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord raises up a standard. The standard is the rainbow. It's not some man-made rainbow. It's the rainbow that God makes constantly consistently. He said, in a cloud, there is a rainbow. You may not be able to see them all, but it's there. It's his covenant. This is not, again, in any way for us to be malicious or to try to point out or judge somebody. He goes on and he says, but I want to remind you in verse 5 of Jude that those who once knew this let the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. He's talking about people who once believed and they no longer believe. He's making a reference that destruction. Now, I think it's important for us to understand something. When he gave the rainbow, he gave the rainbow to say that I will never again let the flood of rain rise up and destroy all flesh. Now, we know there's floods and there are people who die in floods. But he'll never do it like he did it before where it takes out all of mankind except for Noah, his wife, three daughters, and their son, the sons and the daughters-in-law. But he did not say that he wouldn't dissolve the earth with fire. 
You see, when he des destroyed the earth with water, he gave another chance to man. There's coming a day that there won't be another chance. There won't be another chance. One day is coming that this earth will become a lake of fire, which is actually the description of, of hell. And you may say, well, that sounds kind of harsh. You've missed the whole point. He's given every indicator of how to be saved from that, how to be delivered from that, and not only how to, but how you can help others. If you're so concerned about somebody who doesn't know, the idea is go tell them, not be mad at him while you're busy entertaining yourself. I would highly exhort you, find somebody this week that you could share Jesus with. I am in no way asking you to go debate with somebody over your banner and their banner. But to be a light, to be hope, to be encouragement. You get in a conversation, don't, don't sway from the truth. Hold to it. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. Do you, do you know what that's describing? I'm trying to teach a little bit this morning. Is that we understand in heaven uh, that Satan was kicked out of heaven. He had this domain. He was in that dominion. He was in that place. He was, he was high level up there. But he wanted to be worshipped like God. He didn't want to worship God anymore. He wanted to be worshipped himself. He is created of God, and he wants the creation to be worshipped instead of the creator to be worshipped. He's saying, look at me, how beautiful I am, how awesome I am, how good I am. And with that, when he was being kicked out, it says that he took one-third of the angels with him. One-third of an innumerable population of angels. So we don't even know what the number of the one-third is. We just know that it's the portion that he took with him. And those one-third became what we know as demons. So there's a bunch of them. But I've got some good news for somebody. There are more angels than there are demons. Amen? Greater is he that is for us than he that is in this world. Amen? He said, so he's leaving his proper domain, left their abode. He was reserved and he has, has reserved an everlasting change under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner of these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and have gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life, fire. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Costco or Sam's. I have. They don't let me in anymore. They said, you, you've, you've eaten all of our products. You've eaten our, 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 our samples, yeah. But a sample is an example. When you go and take that little piece of cheesecake and you take it off that plate, it's a sample of an example of what you can take home, right? And so you and I need to realize when he's saying that Sodom and Gomorrah and these angels and Satan himself, he said they were just an example. That example is to show what is coming. It's not a reference for what was. It's a reference for what is going to be. So the same way that Sodom and Gomorrah got engaged in the sexual immorality, and I don't have time to go all the way to Genesis and give you this, but Sodom and Gomorrah had another sin that was actually preceding to the sexual immorality and the strange flesh. I don't know about you, but we're a very sexually estranged nation. <laughs> Some are afraid to say yes. David Wilkerson prophesied years ago, and he never even saw himself as a prophet, but he prophesied years ago. He said, I see this little black box, and I see it in every home of America. And through that little black box on top of a television can come pornography. Anybody remember the original HBO? You put that little black box somewhere in your room, and then you could get all those movies, and then, and then the, the gratings and the ratings and all that starts to change. Friends, now you can have triple X in there 24 hours a day. Our nation is given over to sexual immorality. You can't go to the beach. I want to go any further. I mean, I'm talking about naked women. Naked men. I mean, given over to this. They're not hiding behind fig leaves anymore. They're laying in parks naked. 
we have succumbed to and became like Sodom and Gomorrah. But let me point this out. Sodom and Gomorrah had another sin. It's called the fullness of bread. Well, that's right. They gave themselves over to indulgent eating. I can remember years ago, they had these things called smorgasbords. Remember those? They don't call them that anymore. Maybe some people do somewhere. But there's buffets everywhere. Supersize it. Double gulp, the gulp, gulp, double. I mean, everything king size, more size, this size, that size. And get to buy BOGO. You know, get two burgers for one. The fullness of bread has fed the flesh. And the flesh wants to be entertained. It wants to be stirred up. It wants to be fed in the midst of it. So we got it all going against us. But you know, there's coming a day, according to Zechariah, there's coming a day that every nation will be against Israel. We're very close to that today. Matter of fact, we're halfway there, if not a little bit over. That doesn't mean you have to be against Israel just because the nation is. But some of us don't care enough for the nation because we don't bring Christianity into it. God cares about nations. God can bless nations. God can be the leader of a nation. God delights in showing mercy. Is there the possibility that God would have it in his heart to show America mercy once again? Yes, but not just so you can go do what you want to do. Not so you can put off heaven or not have to be concerned about hell. That's not why he's doing this, so that souls can be saved, we can be blessed, and we can reach people. Because one of Jesus' goals, listen to me, and I, I hear this all the time. Why are you guys going to Mexico? Because he said going to all the nations. Just trying to be obedient to the Lord. Is that okay? What's wrong with that? Well, you could do more here. We'll show up and we will do more. Because we already do stuff here. We're doing stuff here all the time. Just show up. Show up. Then he'll take you and your brother and your sister to out love the neighbor. We'll take anybody you have. It's the gospel. Jesus wants the gospel preached in the nations of this world. He doesn't want a self-indulged nation. He doesn't want a sexually immoral nation. He doesn't want a nation that will take something that is his and come down and make it there and say, look, I can do this and he won't destroy me. They're missing it. He won't with water, but you're destroying yourself already. Here's the heavy thing. I can preach to the church as if we're not them. They tell us statistically that 50% of men are addicted to pornography. That's what they tell us. I don't think that's the case here. We might be more than the 45%. We might be more than the 40%. I believe that there's a, there's a good holy standard in this church. But it tells me that there's people in here that are already bound. They said three out of ten women are addicted to it. Seven out of ten women enjoy it, entertain themselves with it. So it's not just a man thing anymore. It's a man and woman thing. But it's not just sexually immoral. Where's the fasted lifestyle? Where's the dedication, the devotion to not be always entertaining ourselves? There's danger zones ahead. He said, they've given themselves over to sexual morality and gone after strange flesh. They are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Lord, help us. I know you may not have voted for this one. I know that you may not have uh, agreed with their policies, but it doesn't give us the right to speak against them. We can't reject authority. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil. So now we see some spiritual contending. We need to contend for the faith, and we need to let the angels and God take care of the devil. And throughout Scripture, it says, the Lord rebuke you. If you ever notice when you rebuke the devil, it doesn't always seem to work. But listen, if you have no authority over your flesh, do not for a moment think you're going to have authority over the devil. Should we stay there for a little while? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. If you don't have victory over those, you will have no voice of any authority 
in the spiritual realm if you can't even take care of the physical realm. Amen? You have responsibility. You don't have to. You don't have to get involved in that conversation. You can walk away. You can flee the very appearance of evil. You have every right to walk away from the water cooler when somebody starts talking about things that are unholy and unrighteous. Every right to God. Oh, they might laugh at you. They might make fun of you. These are spouts. These are spouts in verse 12. These are spouts in our love feasts. While they feast with you in fear, serving only themselves, they are clouds without water. Verse 14, now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have been committed in an ungodly way, and of the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. He said, Look, the Lord's coming to judge this. I want to get to people before that judgment comes. That's our rule. I remember years ago, I was asked to do a funeral. And the parents of the grandchild, of the grandparent who had passed away, brought the child to me and said, could you explain to this child that the grandparent is in heaven? They need to know that this child's in heaven. Now, the indication of the life that the grandparent was living would no way be on the pathway that would lead to heaven. How they died, what they died of, what they were doing, where they were at, none of that exemplified. And there was no evidence of any profession of faith prior to that. Now, yet still, I don't know. So if I don't know, I can't say that I know. I can't say that I know that they're not. I surely can't say that I know that they are. But so often, we feel like we have the ability and the right to put people in heaven. That's left up to Jesus. But for it to be left up to Jesus, he said you're going to be according, uh, judged according to his words and your works. Whether you're living according to the word in alignment with the word. Now, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that just tells me the less sin and the less falling, the more glory that I get to see and experience. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son will continually cleanse us. So while you're just fellowshipping with others in the life, you're fellowshipping with others in Christ, you're spending time with God, there's a continual cleansing because when you walk in this world, things are going to get on you. You're going to see things. You're going to hear things. You're going to taste things. You're going to feel things. You're going to hold hands with things. But if you keep walking with Jesus, he'll wash you. He'll cleanse you. He'll keep you free. He'll keep you spotless. He'll, he'll, he'll iron the wrinkles out in your life. He will work a marvelous work in you that you will not be held to this type of judgment. But if not, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk around to their ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the spirit. Now here we go. You can get somebody to church. You can get somebody to Sunday school. You can get somebody to wherever you want to be. But if they don't have the spirit, they haven't been transformed. He said the indicator of all these people that are ungodly and in their sensual lusts and they're mockers. They're taking a flag and saying, we live under the rainbow or whatever they're doing. Or maybe they have a KKK flag. Maybe they have a banner over them of wealth. And they're just in love with the, the, the love of money is the root of all evil. So we're not just picking one category there. He said the problem here is that they don't have the spirit. And if there's ever been an, a need in the church today for ministry, and that's where I want you to come tonight, we can dance in the Spirit. We can pray in the Spirit. We can soak in the Spirit. We can shout in the Spirit. But do we minister the Spirit? 
When you're ministering to somebody, is the spirit of God going into them? Is the spirit, the breath of God? Can they feel and sense life? They feel the power of God, the goodness of God, the heart of God, the kindness of God, the care of God. And you don't have to be passionate about it. You don't have to say, Thus saith the Lord. You, you don't have to have all that. Whether you have it, don't judge somebody if they do. That's fine. It's what they get, not what you have. What are they feeling? Some of the most gentle, kind, tender, sweet, quiet people that have spoken in my life seem to go deeper than the shouter, than the breaker. There's just something about that. Remember, Jesus, Jesus sat down, made himself available, approachable. I want you to know something. You may not, you may not like me. You may not like this church. You may not like the things that are being preached, but Jesus is still sitting and waiting for you. Jesus is still waiting. But you need to know, according to his word, he's not in agreement with that. He's not in agreement with that lifestyle. He wants, I can't even say he wants his rainbow back. Because he's got it. Nobody can take his rainbow. Just like you can't take a picture and you can't paint a picture of things that he creates. And make it look anything really like it really is. You can't take his rainbow from him. And mock him. And then think you're going to get away with it. But you, beloved. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And notice he points out here that not only do they need it, you need it. Not only do they not have it, you need to have it. Both his spirit and his mercy. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. Feel pity for him. Have you ever stopped and looked at somebody who's not like you and somebody who's not like Christ and somebody who's not living up to the word that you believe and you look at them and you, instead of judging, you feel sorry for them? And then you start realizing if it had not been for the Lord, if it had not been for your parents, if it had not been for a friend, you would have been one of them. If it had not been for the grace of God, that would have been you. So he said, have compassion. When Jesus had compassion, great things happen. He said, walking according to their own lusts. Grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts. He said, on some have compassion. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by flesh. In other words, you know somebody, and you know they're in it. Run over there. And some of them, you're just going to have to grab them and pull them out of there. You're, you're going to have to put yourself in danger of fire, in danger of rejection. Some people, it's not going to be enough just to have compassion. You're going to have to literally, out of holy fear, grab them, snag them, and pull them out. And they'll never know until they get to the other side. And even if they reject you, at least you did what he did for you. I don't know how low he went for you, but I know where he went for me. I know the gutter I was living in. I know the prison I was living in. I know the deception I was in. Friends, I was lost as a ball in high weeds. I was a goose going south in the summertime. It was messed up. But he came. I said, but he came. And he got me out of that. And he pulled me out. He snatched me out of the fire. I told you before. I made a deal with the devil. I said, I will give you my soul if you'll give me that eight ball. I'm not talking about pool. Of my drugs of choice. And boom, it popped up. He went so low to get me, he snagged me out of the fire starter himself. And delivered me. He can do it for you, but not only for you, he can do it for them. You may be, you may be knowledgeable and aware of a brother, a sister, a family member, somebody who's living this way, and you've accepted to accept them the way they are. That's all right. But friends, if you keep letting them go on, you're going to have to snag them out of the fire. Be compassionate. Be loving. Be careful. Be mindful. Pray for them. Lay your hands over them. Get a flag and redeem them from out underneath that flag. We don't need that flag back. He's got his rainbow. But we need to redeem them. Pull them out. 
You can stand to your feet. Now to him. How's that thing come out? Now to him. Now, now to the glory of the king. Now to the praise of the one who delivered me and saved me. The same one who made me and allowed me and has given me a hope and a future. He says, now unto him, listen to this, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless be before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior. Who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. We need to give him glory. Listen to me. He can keep you from falling. Some of you are going to make a big decision this morning to repent from something that you've been living in that you should not be living in. That if you stay in, you'll be judged and you'll get the deserving death that comes with the wages of sin. But as you turn from that today, He wants you to know he's able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to keep you from falling. He's able to preserve you and to present you faultless. So where can we find the original rainbow? Read with me in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. And after these things, I looked, and behold, a door was standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me. Oh, if I could play the trumpet. Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he was sat there with like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. You know what I believe? I believe people were looking for what they didn't find, but they found what they thought they were looking for. Oh, this rainbow will bring me peace and acceptance. Oh, this rainbow will make me feel better about myself because other people will feel that way. You see, there's like a church out there applying to. But they didn't know the real rainbow is in heaven waiting for them. There's an open door. Now, you need to understand something. When there's an open door standing, the doors don't stand open. They're hinged open. But Jesus told us in John chapter 10, he said, I am the door. You see, he looked up and he saw Jesus standing in heaven, and there's a rainbow back behind him, the ultimate standard of Christianity. The rainbow is the standard of Christianity. The rainbow, listen to me, friends, it represents the love of God. It represents represents salvation. It represents, listen, if you can picture a rainbow and you come up and there's an open door, it's the arch of heaven. I ain't talking about McDonald's. I'm talking about eternity. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about freedom. I'm talking about deliverance. I'm talking about it belongs to God and you can belong to God and you can come to him and come through that arch. There's eternity waiting. That eternity will be based upon eternal salvation and peace life forevermore. No more dying, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more grief, no more pain, or there'll be an eternity of eternal separation from God, eternal damnation. Oh, to love souls. Oh, to care for the lost, the deceived, the broken.
fullness of bread, things of entertainment. Listen, just because your eyes are closed doesn't mean you can hide from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If there's any judgment in your life, criticism of those who live such a way, listen to me, or making fun of them, ridiculing them, they're still God's creation. They're still His people. Is there any hatred towards them? Animosity. Unforgiveness towards someone. Could there possibly be unnatural affection brewing inside of you? Confusion. If that's you, I invite you. Come to the altar. Perhaps you're here this morning saying, I don't love like I should love. Not only I don't live like I should live, now I'm talking about those, do we love like we should love? Can you be part of redeeming souls to the rainbow of God? Could you become useful to God? If that's you, come forward. If that's what you want to be, come forward. God, use me for your glory. God, use me for your honor. Listen, not coming forward and going to make the service go quicker. You know as well as I know, you're welcome to go when you need to go, even when you desire to go. But I don't want to miss this opportunity. Do you need a touch of God to be more compassionate? Do you need a touch of God to be more passionate? On some have compassion, on others snag them out of the fire. Listen to me, you see people, you hear people, you know people, and you know they're in trouble, you know they're in a difficult situation. And if you don't say something, what will become of them? If that's you, come forward. I just want to pray with you. If we don't reach them, someone else will, friends. We don't tell them somebody else will. I want to ask one last thing. Have you been deceived? There's a battle for souls out there. Lord Jesus, I ask today, through your mercy and by your grace, you attend to the needs that are in this altar, the responses that have been made. Hear their cry. Hear their confession. Meet them in the midst, Lord God, of their desperation. I'm asking for open heavens, revelation, understanding, wisdom, mercy, grace to be upon their lives. Lord, we desire to be a church that holds to the standard of truth. We desire to be a church that is pure because of your blood. We desire to be a church that is holy because of your commitment to us. We desire to be useful to you. Lord, help us to love like you love. Help us to do as you would do. Holy Spirit, may we have enough for those that have none. And help us to be distributors of that grace and of that mercy and of that spirit. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May the Lord our God give you protection. May he bring you provision. And may he allow you peace. Peace. And he gives unto you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today. 
Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.